Today in our scriptures, uh, when we break down our, our first reading and our gospel, uh, it's a clear sign of how our scriptures are chosen generally. Uh, generally speaking, our, it seems like every week, we, if you don't know this, it might just seem kind of random, but what's happening is, is in the, in the year that we're in, we're working our way slowly through the gospel of Matthew. At the same time, we're working our way through St. Paul, so the first reading and the, and the gospel generally are kind of linked together. St. Paul's reading or the Acts of the Apostles or whatever, the New Second New Testament reading usually is on its own track, right? So if there's a lot of times you hear me talk about the gospel or refer back to the first reading, it's because those two are linked generally. Today in our, in our gospel, um, they're linked to the point that when Jesus starts speaking to the Pharisees, he's referencing our first reading. So for us to understand what Jesus is actually saying, what he's actually getting at, the challenge that he's really putting forth with the Pharisees, it would help us to understand his context if we first understand that first reading. In the first reading, we hear the prophet Isaiah. He talks about my friend, a landowner, goes out and he builds a vineyard. And he does everything he's supposed to do. He digs up some trenches, he builds a wall, he puts a hedge, he plants his plants, he builds a tower, he does everything he's absolutely supposed to do. And at the end, he says, There's gonna, it's going to give us grapes, good grapes. But instead of giving good grapes, it gives wild grapes. Well, that's a bad translation of that word. It shouldn't be wild grapes, it should be, we could say, sour grapes. Um, the, the, like the explicit word and exactly what it says, like the, the, the clear meaning that, that comes from the old, the old Testament word is actually stinky grapes. So get some stinky grapes, some gross grapes, some bad grapes. Bad grapes bring about bad, bad, bad vines, bring about bad grapes. Bad grapes bring about bad wine, and bad wine makes you feel bad, Right? So if you, if you ever drank Boone's Farm before, you know exactly what I mean. Um, good grapes, on the other hand, bring about good wine, and good wine makes everybody feel real good, right? Well, what happens is, is that this vineyard, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of work that's been put into place to make this vineyard functional, make it start producing some kind of fruit, and ultimately it produces bad fruit. So what he says is, is that my friend... The prophet Isaiah says, my friend goes out and he destroys it. It's not producing the fruit it's supposed to. It's going to waste resources. It's going to waste time. It's going to waste money. It's going to waste a lot of things. So let's just go out and flatten it. Let Let the grass just grow up over it. Let's just ignore it. Burn it down. Knock it down. Whatever we got to do, let's not bother with it. Now, when a, when, a, when a Jewish person in, in 2,000 years ago heard this story or knew this story, it was a promise of what was happening, that the, the people of Israel were in Jerusalem, and the city, because of their problem, because of them not fulfilling and bearing the fruit they were supposed to, the city was going to be flattened, and it was, twice. But, in God's graciousness, and God's blessings, they had gotten... The, the city had been rebuilt. They had been reestablished as God's chosen people. And then we get a right around the time of Jesus. So now, we get the context. 
Now remember who Jesus is talking to when he's saying this idea of sending, sending servants or sending people to go to these tenants that are taking over, the, taking over the, the vineyard. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the religious elite. He's speaking to the people who are supposed to be taking care of God's vineyard, who are supposed to be building up and producing fruit. But when he starts his parable, as he does oftentimes, he takes a well-known story and just twist it a little bit. Just enough to get them interested. And how does Jesus start speaking? He says, a man went out and planted a vineyard. And everybody would have been going, oh, I know that story. That's the prophet Isaiah. That's Isaiah's promise that, that God, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, is going to flatten it. They, they all would have known exactly where he was coming from. But he said, the man went out and built a vineyard and hired tenants. Well, wait. That, that's a different that's a little bit different than what I expected. So they were, they were locked in. So they start listening to every single word he says. And he sent these people out to go and tell the tenant. The, the man who owned the vineyard was sending people out to go and tell the tenants, you need to produce the right fruit. You need to be doing the right things. And whenever he, they would go to him, he, the, the, the tenants, they would, they would attack him. They would kill him. They would beat them. They would stone them. They would cast them out. They were just eliminating all of these messengers until finally the landowner says, I'm going to send my son because surely they'll listen to my son. And they kill him too. And at the end of it, Jesus proposes the question to the religious elite. He says, what would the landowner do in that situation? And they have been locked into the story. They're listening to every detail. Until finally, they say, they're going to put a wretched man to a wretched death. Like a good, just response. Not realizing they just signed their own death certificate. You see, whenever Jesus was saying this story, He's taking a teaching that God sent His prophets, God sent His people, God sent messengers repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. And what happens? Isaiah is killed. Ezekiel is killed. They're cast out. Jeremiah is cast out. They're all repeatedly rejected and persecuted over and over and over again until finally he says, you know what? Come the right time at the right moment in history, I'm going to send my son. And Surely they'll listen to him. And when Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, after He's just made them mad repeatedly throughout the course of his, of his public ministry, after He has gone into the temple and flipped over tables, after He has been seen and exalted as Elijah or the Messiah, the One coming, after all of this stuff during Holy Week, when He's having this, this argument with them, He looks at them and He says, and you're going to put Me to death. He looks at him and says, I'm the stone that's supposed to be the cornerstone to build a new temple, to build a new family, to build a new church. And what's going to happen? You're going to try and cast me out. And that's who he's talking to. The reason why Jesus is so harsh on the religious, on the ones who are enlightened, on the ones who are supposed to be leading is because they have been given the responsibility to bear good fruit. And they have, they have the temptation that they want to blame the grapes when they're not doing the work. 
They want to blame the grapes when they're not doing the work that they're supposed to be doing, the work that they have been established to do and commissioned to do by the landowner, by God Himself. What does all this have to do with us? Like all of that makes a lot of sense, right? And I think it, it, it's a clear picture when we see the context and, and what it is that Jesus is actually saying. But what on earth does that have to do with me today in Gaines? Every one of us here has been given a responsibility to bear fruit. Every one of us has been commissioned, like the religious elite 2,000 years ago, down to today, by the virtue of our baptism and confirmation, by the virtue of our families, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we find ourselves every single day, we have been given, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the duty to go and to bear good fruit in the world. I don't know about you, but right now, I have a really hard time focusing on bearing fruit and not wanting to blame the grapes. What is the grapes? Well, I, I can't wait until COVID is over and this freaking mask stuff is done. And it's really easy for me to blame the mask. I can't wait until November 4th and I can stop hearing about all the election, everything to do with it. Well, 5th, 12th, whatever it's going to be. But I can't wait until that day's over with. And we can stop worrying about all this stuff. I can't wait until, you know what, until I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm, my, my own sin, my own life, my own struggles are fixed. I can't wait until that's out of the way. Because then I can bear fruit. Because then I can do what God's asking me to do. I can't wait until my family is perfect. Because then I'll be able to fix what I need to fix. I'll be able to do what I need to do. I'll be able to bear the fruit that God's asking me to bear. See, the thing is, is that so often we can blame the wild grapes or the stinky grapes or the gross grapes of our life, of our culture, of why we're not moving. When in reality... Where we are, both time and place, we are the presence of God. Where we are, where we find ourselves, the family we find ourselves in, that is the land that God has given you to cultivate. And it doesn't matter about an election or about a mask. God is giving you and I a responsibility and a call where we find ourselves today, right now, to cultivate the world around us. And I think what happens a lot of times is we have a tendency to blame the grapes. Because it's a lot easier just to destroy the whole thing and just to stop and to unplug and to take some time off and to quit. Because the grapes are bad. Right now in, uh, in, in California, there's, if, you've, if you've seen it on the news, there's, there's a lot of the wildfires going on. And one of the things that they've been talking about is that the smoke in the atmosphere is actually, it can affect the grapes of like Napa Valley, where some of the, some of the best wines of our country are made. Um, because what happens is, is that the smoke of the atmosphere around can infect the grape, and it's, it just takes a lot to get that taste, to get that smokiness, out of the grape before they make the wine. So, uh, some places probably are just, you know what, 
give up, we're not going to worry about this crop. Is it worth doing the labor to get the smokiness of the culture out and allow the sweetness of God's presence to persist? Is it worth the work? I think for you and for me, I think for all of us in our culture, the Lord is relying on us because it doesn't take long to, if we doom scroll through Facebook, it doesn't take long to feel really, really just, just bothered and anxious and, and depressed. But I think the reality is, is that God is calling you and I to be His presence. God is calling you and I to bear fruit. God is calling you and I to be the sweet presence of Him despite the smokiness of the world. In the early 1900s, it was a Catholic author. His name is G.K. Chesterton. Famous. He was very, very witty. There was a... There was, there was a a, a essay contest that happened in the Times, which is a newspaper in London. It's a famous thing that happened. He, there was an essay contest that went on, and basically it just said, the question that was proposed was something to the effect of, what's wrong with the world? That's a big question, right? We, we could answer that a thousand different ways. What's wrong with the world? Chesterton, in his, in his wit and in his creativity... Sent in and submitted an essay. It won and it was published in the Times. It was two words. I am. What's wrong with the world? He said, I, I am. I, I have problems. I don't change it. I don't fix it. But all they published, all he submitted, were two words. I am. If we want to see the world around us change, it begins by us cultivating the piece of land, the space around us, the vineyard, if you will, that God has blessed us with. Today, as we begin, as we can continue in this Christian journey, as we continue by coming to the Lord and receiving Him in the sacrament, may we be empowered by the Holy Spirit. May we uh, cooperate with the Spirit that dwells within us. May we cultivate that land so that we can produce good grapes. And good grapes produce good wine. And good wine makes the world around us good.